Welcome to the Intercut Podcast channel, where we go over the latest in TV, movies, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich. I'm joined by Arturo Zarita, but I'm also joined by the whole Toronto International Film Fest gang. We got Amanda the Jedi, we got Karsten Rundquist, and we got Movie Jeff from hey. Karstcast. Yeah. All, all the heavy hitters here <laughs> in the building uh, to talk about the best films out of Toronto 2020. Three. Uh, this is not our first trip around the uh, King Street theaters. We've all done this several times before, although this was a unique tiff for several reasons. Uh, Carson, let me start with you first. How does 2023 at TIFF compare to previous years? Did you miss all the actors and writers that were on strike, or did you just get to phone in on all the movies being offered north of the border? You know, I did kind of miss the the star aspect. Not that I go there for, you know, celebrities Mm -hmm. and whatnot, but I do think there was, like, a lack of enthusiasm at the fest this year, like, just from the crowds and... I don't know, even the... I liked the... I saw plenty of good stuff, as we'll talk about, but even the selection felt weird this year. Like, there was just something a little bit more low-key, which took some getting used to, but, I mean... It was, it was still, I mean, TIFF is always a lot of fun, but I, I will yeah. say it was a strange year compared to the others. Imagine you felt similarly? Well, I saw Dakota Johnson, so. <laughs> All that matters. All you need. I was really close. I was really close to her, you know, but um, no, I agree. It, it's weird, though. I feel like a lot of Toronto didn't get the memo that celebrities weren't going to be there. So there's a lot of people yeah. still yeah. lining up outside the red yeah. carpet, just yelling a celebrity lot of names that are so comfortable in their L.A. mansions right now. Well, Nickelback was there, so... <laughs> Nickelback, you're right. <laughs> That's Nickelback true. Was yeah. there. Anyway, like, there was some, you know, we had Nick Cage, we had, um, like, a handful of other, like, if there's certain movies got, like, the, uh, like, the okay, um, from the unions. Uh, so yeah, a lot of the like A24 a neon stuff had yeah. waivers, so that's yeah, how you saw waivers, Dakota Johnson the... for Daddy-O, as well as Sean Penn. Uh, I know Willem Dafoe was there on behalf of I did of see Willem. Girl. I saw Willem yep. in the flesh. Carson's yeah. good friend, Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, always. Yeah. always Best see Finn. friends. Always Best see friends. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I do agree, though. The selection this year was a little bit weird. I think there's definitely some movies we would have seen here that are just kind of being pushed off to New York right now or decided not mm-hmm. to do the, like, Venice to TIFF transition or didn't do either like challengers i'm pretty sure we would have gotten challengers i'm pretty sure we would have gotten poor things if it had kept its original release date i feel very confident in that um so yeah there there was a lack but i honestly just feel like this year really stacked the film festivals heavy at the beginning of the year like everything coming out of sundance everything coming out of south by like that's where the real even if it was more low-key that's where like the really exciting stuff seemed to be coming from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then venice seems to be taking it for like the more traditional big names that are still coming out yeah for fall and then uh yeah uh, new york's got a really nice selection but uh yeah it is a weird year it's certainly not my best tiff yeah i mean it was certainly like a different selection than we're used to and and obviously as you mentioned there are those movies that might have been there under different circumstances but uh it's not all about the movies jeff we we got to catch a couple nickelback songs together oh, yeah yeah <laughs> we got the good perform- ones. exactly right uh what were some and of Finn's your band? your yeah uh do we know the name of finn's band or are we just Cal- gonna refer to Pernicus, this fin- Cal- cool. Cal- something sorry yeah i, I thought def- it was 
Carson Car- Rundquist Forever. <laughs> no, I, that was the old name. Wasn't forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Calpurnia. Calpurnia. I, I definitely Calpurnia. caught a couple Calpurnia songs while eating a hot dog, not realizing that Finn Wolfhard was like <laughs> a football field's length away from me. Um, Jeff, aside from the Nickelback performance, any highlights from the festival that didn't include the movies? Was it just getting to see all of us in person? Uh, yeah, it was getting to see like all of all of you, especially Art. Yeah, uh, a little hello goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw art for what ten minutes, uh, and yeah, and you know, <laughs> the very important I, I saw ten minutes. Yeah. yeah, I actually uh, Karsten didn't get in until the second day. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I cried Slacking. the first night. Late I'm surprised you showed. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it was it was the you know same as last year, which was my first year. Just hey. fun seeing movie people that I yeah. knew virtually. Yeah. It was a really good year for that, I find. A yeah. lot more time just to kind of grab a quick drink or a bite to eat. Hey, Lucy's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was real fun. I hey literally Lucy's. stepped out of my, you know, getting my press badge and walked right into Art and Alina. <laughs> yeah. Kismet, the first you know, day, like yeah. immediately the first day. And then I was walking somewhere else and ran right into Jeff. So like it, it all worked and out. And you bought me a salad. I did. And then that's <laughs> how I the saw salad. Zach. I was like, yeah. I just saw Zach and Caitlin walk by. Yeah. And then we I hailed mean, them over. That's one of the fun things about how compact the festival has become. Yeah. All five of the theaters are on like one and a half blocks or something like that. So yeah. e- even if you're not like sit- arranging to go meet somebody somewhere, you're often just walking past the street and seeing people or walking past the street and seeing Matt Johnson, the director of Blackberry. I had Carson talk to him for a little bit <laughs> or maybe got talked to at for a little bit. I walked, oh, yeah, talked at. Let's let's make that clear. Um, I met him. I got a few words in. Um, I actually, yeah, he's like, it's so funny. He's just kind of like a, such a Toronto man. I walked past him like three separate times. Like, I, he's just all over the place, but yeah. Yeah, the, he's a local. He's a frequenter, yeah. I think, of the festival. Local mm-hmm. legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe a little less celebrity spotting than usual, but still plenty of time to watch movies. Uh, we have assembled the top 10 movies that played at TIFF 2023. We uh, put all our brains together and voted uh, on a, on our favorites. We scored them according to uh, F1 standards. Jeff, I'm sure that you can quickly rattle off an explanation of the F1 scoring system, right? Uh, no, that's, uh, that's I, I'm the editor for an F1 yeah. channel. I don't really watch it that much. Um, the point is that the movies higher up on our list get more points than the movies lower on our list. Not that difficult to uh, figure out, but we'll talk about what movies collectively made up our top tens, uh, as well as some honorable mentions. Let's get into it with our number 10 choice, a movie that I did not get to catch, uh, and I regret it because everybody else who's seen it has told me it's great. Amanda, can you talk a bit about his three daughters at the number 10 slot? Okay. This is a movie a lot of people are saying that, you know, it could be a stage play, and sometimes that's like an insult, but this, it still really works incredibly well as a movie it is a very performance driven movie uh starring uh, natasha leone uh elizabeth olsen and oh my god i can't remember the last one's name right now carrie coon, coon. carrie coon carrie thank you um i can only remember her this last is name Tracy I can't, chicago can't native 
we're yeah. gone. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, but so it, it just incredible strong performance of these three daughters coming back together um, to uh, stay with their father as they're basically expecting him to, to die. You never see the father for, you know, the large majority of the movie. He's just kind of this beeping noise from within his, his room. And it's just kind of all of these unresolved emotions that they've had as a family because it's a lot of like, um, you know, he had uh, two daughters with one woman and then married a new woman. And that brought another daughter that adds into like the dynamic. Um, it was just like really, really beautiful performances. And you kind of go through it thinking like, OK, well, this person is being unfair. And then it kind of flips when you're like, no, actually, this other person's being really unfair. Um, and they all kind of have these very distinct personalities. Uh, and the way that it ends is just this most beautiful thing. And like, it's this it's this full gut stab of an ending um, that really elevates it, in my opinion, out of being just like a really solid character driven drama into this thing that's like, holy shit, that's going to stay with me. So I, I don't know if other people agree, yeah. but yeah. No, I've heard from a few people that it's got a scene towards the ending that's just one of the most uh, heart-rending, heart-wrenching things that yeah. played at all of TIFF. Uh, Art, you Zach. had this on your list as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you didn't like Mother Couch, but I think you'd like Father Couch. I think that that moment that you're thinking about... <laughs> Father Chair. Is, uh, Father Chair, yeah, is elevated <laughs> to a degree that it, it just works uh, with the way that they try to tell the story. I think all the performances stand out. And like I was telling Zach earlier, if Natasha Leone is the most normal one out of the group, <laughs> I should tell you... What's happening with these other two? But yeah, Elizabeth Olsen was uh, a little weirdo. <laughs> Elizabeth, like, there's they literally stopped the Love movie that, to be though. like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Stay over there. They and it's literally like, do. It got the biggest <laughs> laugh out of our crowd. Uh, I think yeah. we were also at the same screening, the P and I that was at uh, the IMAX screen. So because I I think it's like one eight five, it fills out a majority of it. So you, we got to see it with like, it, it's just close ups of their face a majority yeah. of the time because it's all happening. The Oppenheimer in, treatment. Uh, but not uh, the honestly, IMAX experience. It's not the IMAX experience as a let us know, know. But you still get the face. But it still fits know? it, yeah. And uh, I thought that really worked because you're getting the nuance of a lot of their performances. So in the sense of it being a stage play, yeah. I mean, like we have front row seats at that point. Yeah. And uh, they all knock it out of the park. I was telling Zach that uh, Javon's character, who plays kind of like the boyfriend, oh, yeah. he yeah, appears yeah. for one for one scene. He just oh. knocks it out of the park. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was a, a very well-crafted movie from a director that uh, I think we've been kind of iffy on. This is this is a standout for him, and I, probably one of my favorite movies from him uh, and mm. great performances that I hope to see uh, recognized towards the end of the year. Awesome. Uh, Art, let's stick with you for the number nine film, because I think you're the only one of us who had a chance to catch it. Uh, although Alina, we counted her vote as well for Great Absence. Tell us more about it. Oh, bro. This movie's pretty good. Uh, I wanted to catch that one. Y'all saw Knox is Knox uh, Knox goes away. Goes away. Hell yeah. no. Hell no. Okay. Well, you'll forget about <laughs> For that. Better movie or worse, yeah. Way faster than the I don't know the one dimension movie to seek out for. I don't know. Uh, this is a film in where an actor has to go back to uh, reunite with his father, who is dealing with dementia, and because of that, the movie is kind of told through his point of view, but it is edited from the perspective of the father remembering those memories. So by the end of the movie, you get this like full circle moment and it just like, it works superbly well. I think it is one of the best scripts out of the festival. Uh, I think that the grandfather's performance who also showed up for one of the late Q and A's, <clears throat> that is probably in my top five supporting performances of the year. It is a very slow movie. This is one where you need patience for it. 
that nah, like the way that this is uh, laid out as a grandpa remembers certain things and it and it's one of clashing perspectives because it's not just his memory. It's also how people perceive certain events to happen. So even the people who don't have dementia don't remember things the way that they were mm. supposed to. Mm. I hope you guys uh, have it on your radar because uh, it was one of the ones that we almost missed at the festival and ended up uh, being a standout for us. So yeah, it's uh, one great of those absence. Ones really good movie. It was like, it's like a pretty long movie though, right? I feel like it, it was one is, of those ones. No, it just kept, it is long. It just kept, every time I tried to fit it in, it was like, no, it gets in the way of There's this. There's no it way. It's going to, we literally jumped, we jumped out of Three Daughters and ran directly to it. We walked <laughs> in right as they were doing the, uh, the, the TIFF intro, uh, Land play that they have at the beginning. Yeah, the acknowledgements. We went <laughs> okay. in there, acknowledged, well, and went straight to the movie. the Bulgari. Exactly. Um, I thought it was a, a really good movie that comparing it to another slow movie that we saw, which would have been the uh, evil does not evil, exist. evil does evil not does exist, not. where at the same you're sitting through it. And while it's very long, it does come into play in the film. Mm-hmm. Same thing's happening here because they do a lot of production designs and the way that people recall certain things, they'll change around the set also. So a patient movie, but I think it's worth it if you give it a try. All right, great absence at our number nine spot. Let's go back to Karsten for number eight, the latest from Hayao Miyazaki, The Boy oh. and the Heron. What did you like about this one? I I just put a video out on it. Um, yeah, so you, I might repeat a lot timing. of what mm. I said there, but I, I think it's one of the best examples of like who he is as a filmmaker, in my opinion. I, I think... To some people, for that reason, it might feel a little bloated because it's throwing so much into That's one film. And I'm actually, like, genuinely surprised that I'm kind of one of the only people, like, going crazy for it. I <laughs> There's a lot of, like, lukewarm reviews, which I totally get, but I thought this is... I thought it was just incredibly imaginative and filled me with so much childlike wonder and made me so, I don't know, excited to see whatever was behind the next door it just like mm-hmm. kept kind of like mm-hmm. topping itself until it all just kind of collides together <laughs> in the end in this like giant message about like legacy and what you leave behind and like the the like you could look at it as this meta film i'm not gonna i don't want to spoil the film um mm-hmm. for anyone that mm-hmm. hasn't seen it but you could look at it in a meta way of like being about miyazaki's career which it very much is <laughs> which the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was really funny to read it as like him talking to Goro Miyazaki and just knowing <laughs> their relationship that made me laugh. Um, and I was also like, damn, when Miyazaki dies and Goro is in charge of the company, it's over. Yeah. It's over for <laughs> Studio Jim. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I also think like it, it, it could also be looked at like in a broader sense, like less about just him. And, and you can I feel like people could connect to it in their own ways and like looking at their lives as these worlds they've built out and like I don't know just just looking yeah. at what you left behind in your life and and how you let the people in your life enjoy it and and make use of it I know that all sounds very vague but I don't want to spoil the movie I just think it's yeah. I don't know I, th- I thought it was really beautiful and really uh kind of everything I wanted out of a a final Miyazaki movie because I don't mm. it would be so weird to make another movie after this in my I opinion. think he is <laughs> I know, and that's just <laughs> that's that change bizarre. How you feel about it? <laughs> Absolutely not. But I, I do, I like I said in my video, I don't even like trust that he's gonna make another movie quite yet. Like I won't believe it until I like know it's in production. Right. Um. But yeah, no, it wouldn't take away from from I don't know how great this this film is. Uh, totally. Yeah. Really uh, Jeff, it. you had this on your list as well. What did you like about the boy I and did. the heron? 
I mean, a lot of the same things Karsten did. Um, <laughs> I'm not as much of a Miyazaki, like, you know, fanatic. I've probably mm-hmm. seen five. Um, but I, the childlike wonder <clears throat> element, I always try to pinpoint how you can even achieve that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that the films have these elements that are so weird that even adults can't understand them, which makes mm. you feel like a child because it's like a completely new thing you've never seen before. That's, That's like another thing is that a lot of people I've seen criticize this for, and it's valid criticism, but a lot of people are like, it's just one random goofy idea after another, <laughs> which I'm like, yeah, but I kind of feel like that's, it just lets you into this like childlike perspective just that much more. And everything is so, I don't know, weird and, and yeah, surreal. It's because every, like normal yeah. things that are normal to us are very weird to children because they haven't been alive to experience them. <laughs> So yeah. now when you see whatever the heck's going on in this film, you're just, I mean, in all of his films, you're just like, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I might be, this might be a hard question to even answer, but Karsten, where would you rank this compared to the other Miyazaki films? It's, it, it ain't spirited away, you know, but mm-hmm. it is up there. I think it's, it, it might be like third, uh, like kind of behind Ooh. Totoro at, oh no wait Princess Mononoke it might be like fourth fourth or fifth I gotta say <laughs> I, upper upper level upper echelon upper, le- upper sure. level for sure I mean yeah he's like, got some stinkers people forget like, like this is pretty high <laughs> compared to Porco Rosso yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, no disrespect nice. to Porco Rosso but <laughs> actually that was massive disrespect <laughs> All right, so The Boy and the Heron makes it to number eight on our best films of TIFF 2023. Our number seven choice is Monster Art. Talk a little bit about the latest from Correa. It's good. It's fantastic. (laughs) It's incredible. Uh, We have a slew of movies this year that we're mentioning are all about teachers having to deal with students or whatever coming at them. And I thought that that was a big theme that the programmer is really connected with this year. Uh, And I think this was one of the standouts just because of the way that it's told. I think Zach was calling it, uh, that was very Rashomon-esque because of the the perspectives. Um, And we were also mentioning how this is more of a thriller than all of his Mm. other ones. I think he usually has this uh, kind of floaty nature to you just following the characters, seeing what happens next. And here it's very structured in what perspective you're getting that alters how you see the next set of characters and then eventually uh, the kid's perspective. But uh, I thought the performance in this were strong. And like, I can't wait to rewatch it because I think once you learn more about, especially the faculty, it makes Mm -hmm. you see things in a different way. But... I really mm-hmm. stay. I, I I love the movie. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. He's never made a bad movie, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't have it higher than Broker or Shoplifters, mm. but it's so different from those yeah, that it's like s- almost feels like it's sitting adjacent to them for different reasons. And yeah, uh, not really resonated with me. And I have theories on the ending as well that I would love to talk about in the future. Oh yeah, we'll have to get in on that. Yeah, I, I love a film that has that Rashomonic quality where like you keep feeling like you pale off new layers and get deeper and deeper into it as the story goes along. Um, Amanda, you didn't put this on your list, but I'm assuming it's because you saw it at Cannes and not here in Toronto, or there in Toronto. Yeah, that's exactly why. I didn't include anything that I saw at Cannes. Otherwise, this would be a very different and more comfortable top 10 list because some <laughs> of the best movies at TIFF were the best movies out of Sundance, tragically, but not Sundance, yeah. Cannes. All right, well, let's talk about another one of those great films out of Khan. Uh, Jeff, at number six, we've got Perfect Days. What did you like about the Vim Vendors 
oh, uh, yeah. movie. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, first that. off, as I'm sure many people note, uh, the best film ever about toilets. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> I, I don't know if anything can compare. I mean, people spend a lot of time with toilets, and they're just not mm-hmm. featured in this way very often. Respected so <laughs> properly. Yeah. yeah. No, th- this film, I love really good visual ex- uh just you know the exploration of visual storytelling where there's so little dialogue in this mm-hmm. film that had, for like exposition there's essentially no expositionary dialogue i think in the entire film mm-hmm. and it still has wow. such a okay. high level of storytelling where I feel like, you know, I have a better understanding of this character than maybe any other character in any of the other films I saw at TIFF. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, there's this one scene that happens maybe a little more than halfway through the film that kind of, like, casts the whole story in a completely new light and, like, fills in any gaps you feel like you need. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't make anything explicit, you just come to have this really lived in understanding of not only who this guy is now, but who this guy was and what sort of led him to this point. But there's like a, a, a beauty to the film that's sort of hard to even put your finger on and hard to really uh, appreciate. Um, There's just these little moments that are so wonderful and uh, it made me feel really good, made me feel really happy. Um, So I'm I'm hoping more people uh, give perfect days a chance. I'm hoping it ends up in the, uh, discussion for best foreign film at the Oscars and other Mm -hmm. things later this year. So yeah, perfect days at number six. Uh, Before we get into our top five, Arturo, I think you had some, some questions, some uh, trivia questions for the group. Y'all didn't realize you're in a uh, competitive game show streaming live right (laughs) here, going through the top TIFF themes of the festival. So because we have all seen probably a dozen or so films, I connected a bunch of uh, different themes that uh, stem through a lot of different movies. So I know that there is about three to five different options for all of these. So I'm going to name a theme. For example, if I were to say assassins, you can say Knox goes away. I think Pullman also deals with assassins. It's a through line that most films have had. Hitman as well. We just have to hit three. Teachers. Teacher's Lounge. Holdovers. Holdovers. Uh, Ooh, so what's our last one? Uh, Monster. 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 Dream Scenario. Dream uh, Ravaging scenario. Wind. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, oh, loud Noise. I forget what the movie was that I saw. There are so many movies with teachers getting kind of expelled. <laughs> that I, I found that pretty interesting. Um, yeah. We have another one dealing with memory. Well, memory, memory. for one. Great Absence. <laughs> One life. Wouldn't okay. his three daughters count too? Because they're kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And uh, Knox goes obituary. away, which we mentioned earlier. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talking heads. Well, it's stop, stop making, making sense. sense. <laughs> uh, the contestant, because it's a documentary with talking heads. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the Pigeon Tunnel, which is also a documentary with Talking Heads. <laughs> Dream scenario where he dresses up as Talking yes. Heads. Oh, That's yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm missing someone else played a song. They played uh, Burning Down the House. So I- I'm blanking out what movie that was. But yeah, a lot of Talking wow. Heads. I don't know if any of you guys got to see the poster that they had outside. It was the big suit, and you stand behind it. 
to be the talking head bit. Oh, uh, <laughs> should have done a couple rounds there. Um, we had a lot of authors this year. American wow. fiction. Also Dream the scenario, but not really. <laughs> uh, he wanted to be an author. <laughs> he wanted yeah. to be an author. Um, uh, the holdovers. Oh, okay. He was uh, trying to write yeah, a book. Also trying. Yeah, to he wanted to write a, a monograph. Book, yeah. The monogram. Yeah. Monogram. yeah. <laughs> um, shoot. Uh, authors. Blanking on it. There was one involving a father and a daughter having really weird interviews for this movie. Oh, Gonzo Girl? Are we talking about? Oh, or... yeah. oh but I'll count that. Wild yeah. Wildcat. No. Wildcat. Wildcat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That is about an author. I didn't yeah. catch that one. They are kind of weird, aren't they? Very weird. So <laughs> there's definitely weird. a lot of others there. Uh, and then the last one that I had was uh, nursing homes. A uh, lot of people putting their grandparents or parents nursing in nursing homes. Um, probably, uh, she escapes Swiss from Swiss lady, one. she escaped from a nursing home. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, uh, I oh think in memory she works at a nursing home. I don't know. I, I'm coming up uh, empty on this one. Art, which ones were set in a nursing home? Pull up my list. Uh, American Fiction was a big part about whether he's oh, privileged yeah. enough to yeah. be able to put her in a nursing home. And the great absence was the idea of him not raising his father to be in a nursing home. There was way too many uh, filmmakers grappling with the idea of putting their parents in nursing homes. And many of them going, no, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, those were a couple of the uh, TIFF themes. I don't know if anything else stood out to you guys that you saw as, like, a reoccurring thing. Because I, I think when we do Sundance and South By, that tends to be, like, the most interesting thing that we get out of watching yeah. so many movies. What's, like, a through line that they really gravitated towards? Yeah. I mean, I always pay attention to when we see actors in, in several TIFF movies. Uh, John Jimmy Ortiz Bugley. was really he good in in uh, American Fiction and then showed up in Pool Man. Amanda, you just said Jesse Buckley in both Fingernails and uh, Wicked, Little, Wicked Little, Letters. Little Letters, right? Yeah. Uh, Toby Wallace <laughs> was in Finest Kind and then he showed up <laughs> in, Royal in Royal Hotel and he's so good at the Australian accent. I thought he was Australian. No, yep. he's English. He's a, yep. a whole other type of uh, English speaking <laughs> accent. Uh, so yeah, there's always some weird parallels that go through the TIFF movies. Oh, yeah. And uh, we didn't talk about uh, four daughters, but there's four daughters and his three daughters this year in the lineup. I, yeah. I uh, this is like barely a connection, but there's Pool Man and Hitman. And I know, dude. The man are, movies. I also yeah, had yeah, them the playing movies. at the same time, so yeah, I, as yeah, well those as were connected to me. Daddy O. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of overlap, lots mm -hmm. of recurring ideas always in a film festival. Uh, let's get into our top five, though, with another one of those films that had a lot of overlap with other films. Um, Amanda, what did you think about Dream Scenario? Dream Scenario is such an interesting concept, and how it starts being executed is just so fascinating. It's basically this professor realizes that all of these people around the world are having dreams about him, whether they know him or not. And then eventually the story kind of gets out there that lets everybody actually put a name to the face that's been haunting their dreams. And mostly it's like and these kind of nightmares. And that face is Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and it's like, mostly he's just doing nothing. And <laughs> then eventually like other things start happening and it just kind of turns into this like reflection of it's such an interesting concept about kind of like th this shared experience around the world that has no explanation yeah. and how that can affect the person at the center of it. Right. And then it kind of goes in a lot of other 
weird directions. But then by the end, we get the Q&A with Nick, the director. And uh, I just don't think Nicolas Cage understands his character. <laughs> like, there's this whole thing where he's like, yeah, he just wants to do this thing. But it's like, no, if he had wanted to just do the thing, he would have, like, done the thing over the 20 years he's had a chance to do the thing. So it's like, I don't know. And he's then hearing... Not... He's a character who, who doesn't... Uh follow through on his uh hopes i guess ambitions yeah he he wants the accolades for the doing the things right. not the actual work that goes into it so to me it actually felt like nicholas cage just became his character in that moment because <laughs> he so sincerely believed that that's all he wanted uh and then you just kind of realize what some of the inspiration was for the movie and then you kind of have to question like okay what are you trying to say with this now then now you're <laughs> trying to say something i don't agree necessarily with what you're trying to say the movie itself though Super fascinating, super yeah. interesting, very funny. Uh, and then it will probably spark debates of like, can you get on on certain people's side for particular behaviors? When does it go too far? When I, I don't know. There's, it's a, it's going to be, once people start seeing this, I think it's going to be a really interesting one to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah, it has like a kind of bizarre, almost like... <clears throat> take on cancel culture if that's yes. what you th- want to want to make the movie about but i think oh, that is there's 100% just, what it's about Absolutely. but it, there's so but much specifically cancel culture for professors for teachers yeah because <laughs> he's a son of one Spe- no, specific professors <laughs> I, I, <laughs> they're there's real just so much like interesting context and and the way that they create certain situations is so like goofy and imaginative and and out there and most of all i just found this movie to be hilarious carson i think you also agreed that it was a lot to laugh at in dream scenario so funny i won't i won't go into specifics but there's a fart joke that had me it had me laughing for like five minutes straight i could not stop laughing that moment he deserved that moment it was so funny yeah, um, like the fart joke is like very, <laughs> very basic, but like a perfectly timed fart joke. Nothing beats it. Nothing so scenario. perfect. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean that's I, I feel about the same as you guys. Like it's it's so it was also produced by Ari Aster, which is why it it shares a lot of similarities yes. with Bo's Afraid, where it's like. For the first hour, yeah. I thought it was one of the best movies I'd ever seen, and then it kind of <laughs> falls off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like kind of a miracle that you can just, it really is just things happening to a guy and him not making a whole lot of active decisions, which is like really hard to pull off. And yeah. this film, because there's just so much good shit going on, like great, like a lot of like interesting sound design and editing mm-hmm. and the cinematography yeah. was beautiful. It's like, it just keeps it very engaging and hilarious and yeah, I mean, I I would I want to rewatch it like right now if, Same. if I could. It's Absolutely. it's such a good time. <laughs> yeah, the yeah it's one of the ones. Called... It's the one of the ones that I'm most curious to see it out yes. in the world and people mm-hmm. responding to it because it's so wild and so so yeah. funny. Can I say one quick thing? Is that it Please. suffers? A twenty four has this problem where when they don't know how to end a movie, they do a certain thing to a character. And yes. it's getting noticeable <laughs> and annoying. <laughs> and I, that's all I'll say. It's fucking annoying at this point. <laughs> As someone who has not seen the film, that is that makes me very interested to see it. Nice. <laughs> when I, you see do, it, you're just like, oh, come on. Does it have a date? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it has a date, but I'm hoping it's soon. I don't know. There's a, there's a joke in the movie about how he wanted to call something Dream Scenario, but they had to change the name of it. And he's like, that's not fair. I wanted the other name. So if they go that meta and it eventually so change the name funny. to that alternate, 
That'd be funny. Uh, I don't know. 10th. That'd be that'd be extra funny. They're saying November tenth. Oh really? Ooh, Hell yeah. Nice. That's exciting. Okay. All right, Netflix. so Dream Scenario is our number five. Let's go back to Amanda for our number four pick, the Anna Kendrick directorial Ooh. debut, Woman of the Hour. Yeah, okay, I think this one is still my number one. Oh, nice. This was just so surprising. I went into this being like, okay, I like Anna. I'm going to give it a go. This might be fun. And she blew me out of the water, both with like the movie itself and her direction of it. There are so many first-time actor directors at this festival, and most of the movies have ended up being like very lackluster to downright horrible. And this has such a clear action vision. It, it's very transgressive in how it shot, how it films certain scenes in a way that like doesn't feel exploitative of the situation that's happening. Uh, it just comes across as like very angry that this is a thing that happened uh, mm-hmm. in real life. Uh, basically, this is the, um, it, it's everywhere now. This isn't a spoiler. I'm not going to go full detail, but it's basically yeah. in real life, there was a serial killer who featured <laughs> on an episode of The Dating Game. And this was in the midst of his crime. So this is kind right. of going around. It does it like a nonlinear thing where it shows his time building into the show. The the girl who was the contestant on that episode of The Dating Game um, and how she builds into being on the show. And then it kind of jumps around to some of his other crimes yeah. and then certain very harrowing things that happen. And I just love the while this is focused uh, a lot on Kendrick's character, who is the woman on the dating show, she still really lets the characters that need to shine shine by the end it pulls it back away from her Mm -hmm. and making her the star and really focuses in on this like individual who needs to be the center of attention in this specific thing um overall i think it's like really 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 fantastic i've been saying this a lot i know that if you're acting in a movie that you're directing when you're an actor your ID is doing a lot of the work for you. There's a lot of other people around doing the work for you. I find it's the scenes she's not in that are the most impressively shot. So you'd think that she'd have to be the one behind the camera at that point, the one making decisions. Um, so I thought it was really good. I think the performances were all really great. So I really kind of walked out very surprised by that movie. So it's it's definitely kind of swimming up there around the top. I'm very excited to see it again. Uh, sadly and good, it got picked up by Netflix. I think it's going to do really yeah. well on Netflix, but I'd love to see it in theaters, you know, again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always the kind of like pluses and minuses of getting picked up by a place by Netflix. It's probably going to be a movie that gets out there and lots of people are going to have access to hopefully not too long from now. But at the same time, like it does end up sometimes on their big content pile and will it just sort of get lost in the in the algorithm or will it have its chance to have a real moment i've heard a lot of people compare uh compare it to zodiac in the way Mm. that it has some very chilling suspenseful scenes and i don't know if i quite put it on on that level but i did really really respond to this one i think it's uh so like it's so tense to watch. Uh, it reminded me of the thing that How to Blow Up a Pipeline does where it will will build and build to a really, really fraught moment and then pull you out of that and pro- drop you in a different part of the narrative in a way that 
does relieve the tension, but also keeps you on edge because you don't quite mm-hmm. know what's what's about to happen next. So yeah. I really enjoyed the the structure of this one. I, I thought Anna Kendrick was uh, quite good in it as well, uh, playing that woman on the the dating show. It's sort of like a a performance that feels a little bit more modern than the movie around her, but I think it mm-hmm. ends up being almost like a commentary uh, on the time period as well. It's just yeah. a really interesting film with a very clear perspective and and I was impressed because uh, you know we saw a lot of films that debuted here from actors turned directors and a lot of them weren't nearly as clear of focus as uh, Woman of the Hour was mm-hmm. alright let's launch into the top three uh, with one of my favorite films of the fest I think I put it number one on my list uh, it is the latest oh, from Ava DuVernay uh, it is Origin a really fascinating film that takes uh, the nonfiction book cast by Isabel Wilkerson and adapts it into a really beautiful feature uh, that tells the story of Isabel Wilkerson working on her uh, book cast and developing this unified theory of discrimination across the globe. Uh, it, It is in, a, in its way, kind of like a journal, investigative journalism film, except instead of like focusing on a crime or something like that, it, it focuses on this thesis she's developing. It's sort of like spotlight if the if the thing she was uncovering is how uh, discrimination is connected. And I thought it was a extremely um, heady and complex idea that was somehow morphed into this very cinematic vision from Ava DuVernay. There there are so many like painterly images that do so much of the telling for you and the way that the film is able to take you through this journey that is not like a traditional narrative but more, but really still gripping um I was really impressed by, you know, it's not the kind of subject that lends itself inherently to being adapted to this type of movie, but Ava DuVernay's found the kind of like heart at the center of the story while not sacrificing the the intellectual heft that is necessary to take on a topic as wide-ranging as this film tries to be because it spans several decades it span hops across the globe it does so much it's so ambitious and i think feel like it still kind of holds together and feels of one piece i was really blown away by this one um art i know you were also really taken with it we we both walked out in a bit of a a stunned silence from the film what did you like about original and Shane as well. Shane came out with us. He goes, hey, yeah. man, you've been... Shout out Shane. <laughs> he got to actually <laughs> say hi to Ava. He was sitting oh, right yeah. next to us. Um, no, I thought it was also just as great. You know, there's the like shots that they'll have of uh, Anjanu's character like researching things and they'll like perfectly put all the books out. I'm like, yo, this lady's annotating. Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's all of her sources just <laughs> spread out on the frame. Notes. Yeah, and I just... Uh, I, 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 I love seeing characters on screen figure things out and learn and go through the process of maybe getting something wrong and then figuring it out along the way. I think that uh, especially like nowadays, we've, we learn so much just from other people making mistakes. And here it's like someone going out of the way to be able to properly research something to come to a conclusion. Um, and I thought she carried it with a fantastic performance and a really good script. Yeah. Um, really was a standout for me from the festival, so I'm hoping it there continues is one to be in the conversation. Who's got terrible hair? I'm gonna leave that there unless they fix it. But it looked horrendous, and that's all I'm gonna say because it's a spoiler. Carson, your hair is good. Don't listen to him. <laughs> is it, <laughs> his cameo in the movie took me aback. 
Uh, all right, so Origin takes the number three slot on our top ten films of TIFF. Before we get into the top two, I want to hit up some honorable mentions. So we'll start with Jeff, who is the only one of us, I think, who watched The Zone of Interest in Toronto. I know Amanda w- uh, was impressed by that at Con, but mm-hmm. Jeff, what did you uh, yeah. take away from The Zone of Interest? I know that was not the most fun watch you had in Toronto. Yeah, and that was the first film I saw Yikes. at TIFF. Uh, showed up, went to sleep, came there in the morning, saw the zone of interest. And ruined your day now, from there. Yeah. No, then I bought him and, a salad. Oh, true, yeah. true. And then yeah. I made up bought a it. salad. Yeah, I was crying tears into the salad. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure that for people who have seen this at other festivals, this if, if this was like actually something ranked by everyone for TIFF, it would be in the top. Definitely top five, I would think. I would say. It sounds like it, yeah. Um, it would be up there. Can't wait to see it at New York, yeah. Chicago. Yeah, uh, but it's just a film that I've never seen. I've never mm-hmm. seen a slice-of-life film about that's humanizing in more of an educational way than, you know, humanizing for the purpose of trying to make you really Empathize. see their... Yeah. yeah, you're not empathizing as much as humanizing yeah. for the sake of... of trying to wrap your head around how uh, someone who does mostly normal person things can be, you know, this type of person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It never the really feels like empathy. Evil. Yeah. The, but that's exactly. it. It doesn't feel like empathy. It just, it's more shocking. Yes. Understanding. Yeah. yeah. It, right. It's, it, it's, it's, it's like, seeing the their fuck? lack of empathy. Exactly. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yes. And I've, I've been to Auschwitz and just having this as kind of a, a piece to accentuate that experience in my head of what really went on there is a very fascinating thing. And it's, it's just a very well constructed film that I think it's a, such a difficult subject to, to have people take completely seriously mm. as a viewer, because you have to be like, you know, you, if you get taken out of it for a second, I think you're done. And it, it's just so well done that, it it really slow builds it so great. Like you just kind of notice some like barbed wire in the background, some smoke every now and again, a couple screams, and then it yep. really starts kind of being like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like was the ending is like a when it I'm does still the thing undecided. Cutting. Yeah. 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 I I don't know if it, it felt like it needed to be like, hey guys. This is what you were watching. So I know. Like, it's like I feel like we all knew explicit. that. Little bit. Get, yeah. Without yeah. spoiling, it just feels weird. But I like yeah. the scene. It's it's hard to kind of interesting wrap around it. Yeah. Although it I hope we're I've not seen. spoiling the Holocaust for anyone. I feel like <laughs> that would. I'm Wait, it's about what? Clear, no. But you never really know. <laughs> yeah. Especially on YouTube. I, I hope. Yeah, I hope no one watches this film and is like, "Wait, what? Is this real?" <laughs> Trying to think of the guy who who finds out about the Holocaust at a Toronto International Film Festival screening of Zone of Interest. But imagine yeah. the origin. I was like, wait, they did what? <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, maybe somebody uh, is finding out about the Holocaust uh, not just from Zone of Interest, but from One Life, because uh, it's another one of your honorable mentions, Jeff. Maybe you just got a thing for yeah. uh, that uh, era of uh, Germany. Well, he's Jewish. Uh, okay, I just want to say I'm Jewish, so uh, <laughs> it, I'm not. Uh, but okay one life is very much a standard well-made british biopic i feel like that's its own genre Mm -hmm. where they do a much (laughs) more straightforward 
biopic where they're like, we're going to make sure this is factually accurate as much as possible <laughs> and then worry about, you know, emotion second. Uh, but the story it's telling for me is just such a great story. And Anthony Hopkins is really good. Mm. Uh, that it's just a, it is like an emotional film to watch. Yeah. And especially I mean, the yeah. screening at TIFF. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't the know premiere, if I, the one. yeah, the premiere. Yeah. Right. Uh, which I was at and, uh, I don't know if I want to say what happened cause it's what the film's about and I don't know if okay yeah i mean if people aren't aware the cl- this film is kind of started you know there's the clip on youtube where everyone sees this guy who saved a bunch of children mm-hmm. uh he helped he helped them escape Prague, and there's a clip years later when he's elderly in the 80s where he was surprised by everyone else in this audience of a talk show uh were the children he saved and at the screening in Toronto, a bunch of the people in the audience were these children today. Oh, oh wow! Or like descendants of them, basically yeah. people who yeah, or descendants. Yeah, yeah, there's like I think there's at least a couple. Yeah, exactly. There's like yeah. a yeah. couple that were the actual children, and then there's like other relatives of them. Because obviously people, they're like ninety, yeah. or they're right. at least in their eighties. Yeah. Right. People talk about this idea of film festival fever. That like when you're at a film festival, sometimes you sort of get a little bit too excited about a movie or you overrate it because of your your experience is so good but it's also a little bit like undeniable when you get to be like in the room for special moments like that i mean i I could definitely see that being like an unforgettable tiff experience yeah absolutely uh jeff one last one not as connected to nazis although he has his own history with the genre uh you had next goal wins in your top 10 I, I was a little bit negative on that, so I, I want to give you the yeah. chance to, to do the okay. counter-argument. It's like, where are you going with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now I... Yeah, right, it's yeah. like uh, you had uh, you had uh, Saving Private Ryan in your top ten. <laughs> Don't think it really played even. this year, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so Next Goal Wins, Taika Waititi's new film, which had tons of production issues and stuff. I was aware of the story the the primary story that inspired the film and the film definitely is much less of a a true it's it's kind of the opposite of of one life and <laughs> that it's like as least a faithful retelling as possible he's mm-hmm. open about it though yes in yeah. the beginning it explicitly has him saying this is pretty fake uh <laughs> but that being said as a like off the wall comedy it's it's fun yeah. I had a fun time. And nice. I also just love sports films. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's the greatest film ever. Yeah. It's cute. It's like my exactly. I was like, this it's is a, nice. A... This is cute. And he even said, exactly. like, he, and when he introduced the movie, he was like, hey, get ready to watch a movie where nothing bad happens to nobody and everyone's happy. <laughs> like, nice. Wait, wait. You, do that accent again? No. <laughs> <laughs> I All thought right. that the uh, movie was about them actually winning something. Like, I thought they were going to. No, I thought they were going to win like a tournament, bro. When they hit you with, you're just trying to score one goal in the yeah, history. You, yeah. I, bro, I burst out laughing. I'm like, I this know, is right? the dumbest premise. Yeah, yeah no, it's but it's like the real. They the world. stink. <laughs> one goal. One goal. That's insane. I love it. 
Uh, let's go to Karsten's honorable mentions and start it off with the Richard Linklater film just hey. sold to Netflix for $20, 20 million. million. Uh, Hitman. I think it would have made it had we caught it, but uh, I'm saving it for New York. I don't know uh, yeah, it was like, these it was other jokers. It was, it was in my 10. I was going to uh, ask, yeah, because I was, I was so ex- actually kind of expecting it to be like number two. <laughs> but damn, I guess it's an honorable mention. I loved this movie. Um, nice. Fun. Reminded me a lot of, uh, it's just like a, a great modern screwball comedy, which I feel like we have not had in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Like really great fun twisty crime plot an amazing glenn powell performance mm-hmm. i mean Ooh. just finally like Movie star? giving him the role he deserves yeah, yeah it is so good hell yeah um, yeah yeah just like i don't know really good time i i guess the, I, I there's not a whole lot more that, that's a lie there, there is some more to it like i feel like i i feel like link later does a lot with uh relationships and and knows how to make a really kind of interesting movie about and, and kind of like uncomfortable movie about love and this is not an exception i feel like it goes in mm. directions where you're like this shouldn't work but it does and <laughs> yeah i don't know he just he does relationships really well in my opinion and this is a really funny example of it and damn shame that it's going to netflix i mean i know it has a theatrical release because it's a really fun time with a crowd yeah yeah it's very fun with but the crowd. yeah yeah, I mean, Glass Onion had a theatrical release too, and that also right, felt kind of right. insufficient. So we'll, this guy we'll was see in on Top Hitman. Gun, like, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah no, it is, it is, it is rough. It's again, it's another one that's gonna do really well on Netflix. Like, this is one of those ones It'll I can be like, kill. Mom and Dad, here you go. Yeah, Your you movie. liked it too, Amanda, yeah. right? I did. Yeah, I feel like it hits a point where you're just kind of like, well, where the, where, where the hell could this be? Could be, where can it go? Like, it has to right. be bad and then it does something at the end that you're like fuck off but like not in a bad way but just kind of in like you fucking kidding me so um, funny so yeah. Like, yeah so i do really like it but i think uh, i think i prefer the 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 early end of it more than like the later end of it i think for me it loses stuff at the further it goes on mm-hmm. um and interestingly enough i think it's when there's more creative licenses being taken it actually gets worse which is usually the opposite usually mm-hmm. when they take creative licensings and things that's when they're like we're jazzing it up but it's still good. It's still very fun. Uh, it it was on my top ten, so I I enjoyed it. Uh, Carson, you also had Sing Sing on your list, the uh, oh, yeah. movie starring Coleman it's Domingo. So bummed. Yeah, oh, uh, so... I think most of us heard that the buzz on this was good a little too late, so too we late. missed it. But yeah, yeah. yeah tell mm-hmm. us what we missed. Yeah, this is it's about a uh, a theater program inside uh, within a prison, um, starring Coleman Domingo, and it's just a really kind of pure and likable movie, which mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting from like a prison film. I feel like so often when we're dealing with films about this subject, it's it's very harsh and, and grim and sometimes like violent and the care, like yeah. it's just, I don't know. It comes with like watery territory, but this was like so, it took such a kind of wholesome approach <laughs> that I thought was, that it was never cheesy. It was just heartwarming, which I think was only, it just made the, the message it was uh, driving home just that much more effective of like how broken the system is. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's some really, don't get me wrong. There's like, it's not just like a good clean time. Like there's some really devastating and, and heartbreaking moments near the end. Um, but I think like what it's, I think it takes a very unique path to, to where it's trying to go. And, and 
I don't know, just a really fun time. I'm, I was also shocked that this wasn't the Coleman Domingo performance that was getting buzz. Uh, yeah. He's, just, he's going crazy. Yeah, another <laughs> person who, uh, who had two films at TIFF, he was also in Rustin, which yeah. uh, at least from – I saw Rustin, I didn't see Sing Street, but that is a much more like – by the numbers type of biopic and he's uh-huh. very good in it but the mm-hmm. the people I've been talking to seem to have really responded to the movie Sing Street a bit more yeah. so yeah, yeah. Um, Sing and Sing s- sim- yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry <laughs> um, John John Carney also has a movie at the festival I don't know um, yeah, similar sing, sing. to One Life uh, a lot of the actual when they were in the movie so I guess that's why mm-hmm. they're there but a lot of the guys in the actual oh you were at the premiere yeah I was at the premiere they were oh, at the nice. screen which was Really great. Also, Paul Racy in it, who is uh, oh, yeah. good to see him mm-hmm. back in yeah. delivering a great performance. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that it, it's not the typical kind of like downtrodden uh, prison film. I, mm-hmm. Something that's not going to make anybody's top 10. I, I saw Bad Boy, which is from the person who created the Euphoria? original Euphoria. Euphoria show. And that to me was like like trauma porn of a oh, young God. person getting sent to a juvenile facility. <laughs> they were so giving that away. Bro, I'm 20 minutes in. They were uh, giving that away. They yeah, hand over so... fist trying to give that away. Sounds oh, like Sing rough. Sing was the uh, better prison was option. Better one, yeah. At TIFF, oh, for okay. sure. Damn. Uh, one more honorable mention I want to run by you, although it's not everybody's favorite. Art Carson, tell me about Agro Drift. I won't. I won't. I won't linger on this one too long. Uh, <laughs> but I have to get my word out about this. I. It's a. It's just a vibe. It's you mm-hmm. have to accept that it's barely. It's not a movie, and that's like kind of what he's been trying to explain to people. And I think yeah. when I was able. I, like I, I say this in my TIFF video that's not out yet, but I was like, it goes a level past turn your brain off where it's like, you need to just like soak in it. Like you need to just accept that you're kind of like backseat in a video game. And a bad when one. you do that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dialogue is definitely the worst part. It's I'll so say that. It's it's worse than the GTA 5 dialogue, which I think is terrible. And it doesn't look good either, man. The in, they don't do the infrared thing well at all. <laughs> And the whole like humping the sword continue like what the fuck? Humping man? the sword was hilarious. The infrared not cinematography. Good, not in a good way. It was Dude, it wasn't even I cinematography. Thought... I feel like it was fake. I feel like they put it through a computer. I feel like half of it was AI and then he was all like, Yeah, we did a lot in AI. And I was like I loved the the AI stuff with like no, the, the kind of it. like the the inner computer whatever that was, I don't even know how to describe it, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was cool. Yeah. I will say, you know, it gets I was expecting it to kind of ramp up a bit. And it kind of stays on the same note most of the film. Mm-hmm. It never really, like, you know, moves up or down. Um, but it doesn't really need to with how bizarre and, I don't know, just kind of... I think it's really hilarious and not unintentionally. Like, I think he knows what he's doing, which oh, makes so. it a little bit more charming, but also probably really annoying to yeah. a large chunk of people. But I'm I... I'm still really curious. I had fun with it. It, it kind of exceeded my expectations they were on the floor but yeah um yeah it was it was interesting i will say that to how me, was travis uh, tra- worst horrible. part of the movie worst horrible. part of the movie trash Easily. garbage god that Word is up. that is actually yeah it goes against everything he's saying because there's this yeah. random like dialogue like this conversation about nothing in the middle of it where i'm like Wake all right up, let's do it let's wrap it up. sleep do it <laughs> 
do it. It's <laughs> just so funny. Fucking so hidden good. Nike commercial. Like, I don't I'm even pretty sure they know. also like repeat the same shot of Travis Scott like three times because yeah. they didn't have that much footage, and it's just him like looking at the camera like that. Yeah, that AI <laughs> bot can only do so much when. It <laughs> yeah. never okay, the reason why I don't think it's charming is because. Mm. <laughs> I, hearing him talk about the movie, I'm like, you don't give a shit about this. This feels like a huge fuck you. I don't think you put any care into this. So why am I going to like suck your dick for doing All something vibey? All of his movies kind of feel like a huge suck, fuck you, No, though. this is worse, though. This oh. is like the worst he's ever fucking it, done. No, is, it he, can't be worse than Gummo. I Gummo's mean, crazy. I hate Gummo. There's another uh, thing. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Gummo, I love Gummo. It it's it's so interesting. It I hate less. Gummo. It makes me want to throw up like every five minutes. He's actively said in every interview, which I've watched every interview because I'm just that fascinated by this movie, that he's just, he made it because he was just sick of movies and he's so bored of movies that he was like, I just wanted to make something entirely new. So he made a movie? So we made a PlayStation 2 game? So we made a Terrence Malick uh, no. shit post basically. Um, <laughs> no, that's rude. He made a bad it's PS2. Kind of Terrence Malick. He made a bad GTA <laughs> cutscene that never fucking ends. Uh, right. Anyway, I, it's worth checking out. Book. I skipped Origin, knowing Origin was a better movie to watch Agro Grip because I wanted <laughs> yeah. to be. I had to experience. I, I had to fucking know. I will say it's the only movie at TIFF where the audience didn't do the arg during the. the Dude, we might have been at the same season. screening. No really? Bulgari, no ARG. Uh, yeah. Bro, we, we got an ARG at Pullman. Like. What time did you go? <laughs> it was 9 p.m. 9.40. No, I went in the afternoon. That's what I mean. It's just Agro the Travis fans. They don't know what to. It's serious business. They don't know the tip. Of every crowd, I would have expected yeah. to be into fucking everything. I was expecting them to be clapping during no. the... Nothing. No bullshit. Nothing. No, yeah. I don't even think they want... I don't even think they clap. I'll they just want to clap. Yeah. I got yeah. in yeah. to see uh, Dream Scenario off a of rush for the premiere, so I got to see The Boy. The Boy. Uh, Nick Cage. Yeah. I got into Concrete Utopia at Roy Thompson Hall to see that entire cast, and there was girls outside waiting to go see the dude from Parasite. <laughs> Agro Drift was the best position in line that I had, and they turned <laughs> us away. Yeah. So... I had to refresh. People love it. Uh, I had to refresh a shit ton waiting in the rush line, and one of them ended up opening for press. Oh, damn, nice. So, lucked out. All right, Amanda, but, uh, you, yeah. you're not going to have aggro on your honorable mentions, but uh, let's talk about Wicked Little Letters. What did you like let's, about that one? Um, a lot. It's really <laughs> good. I think it starts with this quote, and it's just something like, more of this is accurate. Like, hang on. This is more true than you'd think. Is like, it's not based on a true story, not inspired by true events. It's this is more true than you'd think. And it's basically just these two women going kind of back and forth at one another because these letters start popping up in her mailbox, basically just calling her the worst turn of the century insults. It's like, you foxy little whore muncher with a this, you need a this up your fanny. And then there's been like 19 <laughs> like something <laughs> letters. And it's, yeah. So it's like Olivia Coleman getting these letters and they just assume it's the next door neighbor because it played by uh, Jesse Buckley because she's crass. She's Irish. She, and then, but the whole argument is it's like, I will say this to your face. Why would I be sending you letters? And it becomes hey. this whole thing where she actually gets like arrested because it's harassment. And then it like amps up and like hundreds of people all around, uh, I think it's like Little Hampton or something like that, are getting these letters. And the cops are just like, well, it has to be you. 
And then it's one police officer that they, like literally said, Lady Police Officer Moss. She has to call herself Lady Police Officer Moss. It's just so funny. But like, it's like the only person who doesn't believe it, but it's like just this like brutal back and forth of like these insults building up and then finding out why like certain people really don't like Jesse Buckley's character because she's not proper, not like a woman and how that's affecting things. But it's like, outrageously funny like very very fucking funny movie yeah. and then you find out that it was like all based on real events these were real people this is a real court case uh yeah mm. so i don't know why your description of it makes me sa- makes it sound like banshees of an Isherin or something to me but a little bit but um, like way more overtly funny it has like the similar it has like slightly similar vibes the only thing i didn't like i felt like um so olivia coleman still lives with her parents and i feel like the father was too much He's like an asshole, but he goes into that realm that it's like not enjoyable to watch on screen anymore. It gets like overly mm. annoying. Other than that, though, adored this. It was so fun. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you also had dumb money on your list. This one's already yeah. out in limited release. But uh, what did you like about Craig Gillespie's take on the GameStop uh, saga? I just thought it was funny. Like, you knew it was going to be a crowd pleaser. They put that story mm-hmm. together pretty well. I, I kind of like those... Um, you know, like your your BlackBerry type thing, your social networks. Obviously, this is like lower than a social network and lower than a big short, but just, you know, that kind of something, things that operate in that space are always really fun to me. And I feel like of all the biopics we've been doing, I feel like so many companies are just like falling over themselves to be the first to a story, a first to a thing. Yeah. And it usually hurts it. Like she said, way too soon for that to be coming out. Dumb mm-hmm. Money is like the only one that feels like, yeah, this sparked off so quickly, is already over, and the perfect amount of time has passed to be able to like really accurately explain what happened in this particular situation. We have like the fallout of that situation that splintered off into everything else that's been going on and like the weird finance stuff, but like Dumb Money, this, this was like the perfect time for this so i had a really good time with it the performances are good um i really like the way it starts just with like seth rogan freaking out um yeah i I just thought it was really just really enjoyable i don't think it's like changing the book on anything but like for the type of story it is i think it's like super fun yeah uh, and then I think we both had similar feelings on fingernails but you had it on your Mm. list so what are the some of the things that you liked about it Okay, fingernails for me, the reason why it was on my list is that I haven't been able to like stop thinking about it, but it's in a bad way and that I want to take the story that they've established in the first hour and then I want to finish it different. I've, yeah. every once in a while you see something that it's like, I feel so inspired by this. How can I take it without you accusing me of stealing from you? You know, (laughs) like. Yeah. There's a lot of really interesting stuff there, and then it kind of ultimately goes into a little bit more of a predictable path than I yeah. than I had hoped for. But I think you could just edit down what's there into a really solid 90-minute movie and not the kind of almost two-hour uh, like slog so. that it kind of becomes by the end, unfortunately. But I, I still think there's a lot worth checking out in Fingernails. So yeah, glad that you at least gave it in a quick inclusion. Uh, Art, you had four daughters near the top of your list. Why Why'd you choose that one? It's very good. It's a documentary that mixes uh, what would be a, a narrative by hiring two actresses to play the two daughters that are missing, and then the other two daughters play themselves. They also cast someone to play the mom, and then lets the subjects of the documentary direct those reenacted scenes. But it's not the reenaction that stands out. It's them talking about how they're going to direct the scene that brings up moments that is much better than them sitting down as a talking head telling you what's going on incredible experiment for a documentary it's tunisia's uh pick 
for their submission for the Oscars. And nice. even though it's a documentary, I think it deserves to be one of the top five. Another one of your honorable mentions is Germany's pick for the Oscars this year. Uh, what did you like about Teacher's Lounge? Also very good. That and Andragogi, uh, I think, are my two like teacher movies where one yeah. is a teacher going viral, getting in trouble, and here is a teacher reprimanding somebody who's stealing things uh, and getting caught trying to figure out who that was in the teacher's lounge. Um, and uh, that's another one where I think 95% of teacher's lounge is an incredible movie. I wish it ended a little different. And if it would have ended a little different, I would definitely put it as my top 10 overall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's watching a disaster unfold slowly. Easily. I, I think it's really, really compelling. Uh, kind of, sort of, yeah. classroom thriller. Um, so, yeah, Teacher's Lounge was short, also though. on my list. Motherland. Oh, yeah? Y'all need to catch Motherland. That one, and it is one of the best films out there, bro. It's like <laughs> what happened during Argo. No, like, I know we're not counting shorts. This might be my top ten films. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, I had to give you an honorable honor. You got to send me the link. It's, it's, uh, it's raw, bro. I got two more on my list. How to have sex, which I thought was a really like stark uh, <laughs> look at like the. Uh, He's like, I the, know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we laughing? I meant to be like, a I heard that's good. I heard yeah. that's good is what I meant to. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, it's a stark look at like the. Uh, tribulations of being a young woman particularly in the party scene and I just think it does a very good job of characterizing uh, the people in this film they all feel like lifted out of real life in a way that not a lot of films aspire to but not as many films get this close so I liked how to have sex a lot I also thought that Backspot was very interesting the uh, Canadian film from D.W. Watterson I think it is Waterstone Waterstone. Um, they uh, put together this film about um, a cheerleader being Watch elevated her. to an all-star squad. And it, it's got these like really, really visceral moments. I love some of the way that uh, sequences are shot. There, there's this thing uh, when she has panic attacks and it gets called all like shaky and extremely close up uh, that I thought was very effective. So yeah, uh, D.W. Watterson, uh, her film, their film Backspot uh, also on my list. But I think it's time to get back into the top two with the People's Choice Award winner, American Fiction, Arturo, uh, talk to me about why this movie is special enough that it won People's Choice. It's got Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright's a baller. Jeffrey Wright can do yeah. drama. Jeffrey Wright can do comedy. Mm-hmm. He can do it all. Does uh, a, a little bit of both in this. Easily. It's the story of a guy who's written so many books but hasn't really made that much money. Uh, and so one day he decides to kind of take what has become a genre of books, which is... Um, your, your stereotypical gangster finding himself in, I don't know, gang, gangster scenarios. And he mm-hmm. does it out of spite and it ends up selling for like a ridiculous amount of money. So now he's pretending to be this author that nobody knows because he's hiding under the alter ego of somebody else. And it gets into a lot of nuances, not just in like, um, you know, film industry, but the book industry, the journalist industry journalism in general uh while also being a story that is promptly named american fiction because he's kind of telling you this same stereotypical story that you find us in as gangsters or whatever else you can also be a rich black person who's going through the exact same turmoil without it having to be all those uh stereotypes Uh, he kills it the whole supporting cast kills it uh, and it's got some of the best jokes of the year 
Yeah, a really biting satire of uh, creativity and the audiences for creativity. It has some lines that I just thought were so piercingly funny. Uh, some of the biggest laughs that I have all, have had all year. So I'm uh, definitely excited for more people to catch up with that film. But the best film from the Toronto International Film Festival, a movie that almost all of us had it on our list, and I think that Art might have had it too, had he, ch- had it, he got a chance to catch it. Uh, but I'll start off with Karsten. What did you love about The Holdovers from Alexander Payne? Oh, it's such a great movie. Um, yes. Like, amazing, warm, cozy vibe, first off. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's enough for me. But... I, I thought it was such a touching, like, film about, like, two people who, like, kind of learn a little bit from each other, um, who are both feeling, like, uh, I don't know, forgotten by the rest of the world, feel like the world owes them something, and not in a way that's, like, I feel like a, a lot of other Alexander Payne movies, usually that kind of guy is really annoying and kind of <laughs> made out to be, like, the loser villain in the film i just watched sideways last night and paul giamatti's character way more unlikable in that than he is here um and yeah i just it it won me over um yeah pretty easily because all the performances are great some uh, incredible music i didn't think the 70s aesthetic was ever gimmicky uh, which i was worried about it ended up being just you know an added layer to to the film you know i wish i had something to say about like why it it chose that aesthetic i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that but i mean i just enjoyed it <laughs> like i thought it looked yeah. and sounded nice. i mean there is kind of like an old-fashioned quality to the story and and yeah it's also yeah. set in that time period so it does sort of make sense like in in the same way that they don't make movies quite like this anymore they yeah. they literally don't make movies using these technical specifications anymore so it, it yeah. you know it really does give you that nostalgic quality and you know there's probably people who will be able to break down uh, more intelligently than me but it just felt like both thematically and, and like just uh technically appropriate for for this type of story uh jeff Mm -hmm. you also had it number one on your list what did you respond to in the holdovers yeah so it's such a fascinating period piece because it's like an all-encompassing period piece Mm -hmm. where it's like a piece of art that no one in 1970 if it was released then would have you know batted an eye at yeah where i think a lost movie exactly it feels like a film that came out in 1970 so Mm -hmm. it's like it's not a period piece that's, you know, made with a modern eye looking back at something. It's a film that just is like, feels like it exists then. Mm-hmm. And I think it could have won Best Picture in 1970. Yeah. What won Best Picture in 1970? <laughs> Ooh, uh, I can quickly look that up. Knows? We don't need to. Midnight Cowboy. Uh, there we go. <laughs> that's a good movie. It's honestly a good movie. <laughs> Okay, it would have been a nominee. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't stand a chance against Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and also Paul Giamatti is just so good. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know what, how you couldn't like it. Yeah, Giamatti is so good. I was also really, really taken with Divide Join Randolph, who just mm. has this, like, yes. warmth Amazing. and light to her. I, I really hope that's a performance that people don't forget about when it comes to awards season. Um, Amanda, you had this on your list, too. What did you like about The Holdovers? Uh, a lot of the same things. It, it does just... The way that it feels like it's from that era... So I rewatched um 
Adventureland on the way home on on the flights home and mm. I'm watching it and it like never occurred to me even watching it originally and I'm like oh this is probably happening in like the 70s or the 80s I think it's the 80s it doesn't feel like it needs to be then nothing about it feels like that specifically other than the fact that they don't have cell phones and just other I think it might be could be 90s too but like I don't even know that's the thing it's so in specific other than knowing that it's not currently happening whereas this there's just like no denying the era that you're in and there is mm -hmm. that like charm to it but then it does take the story kind of into that deeper area when it's just going through the different issues that each of these three central characters have so you you do have that central relationship between uh, like the young boy and Paul Giamatti's character um, and then you again have Divine Randolph who is just fantastic and kind of dealing with her own just worse situation like absolutely mm -hmm. more horrific reality and holding it together so much better in certain ways and everything about it is it, like so like even we're all talking about how it looks but there was even like little audio crackles sorry mm -hmm. if i missed somebody mentioned that like I love the, that. The, there's literal little things to make it feel like it is just this like lost film reel in mm -hmm. time uh that we're watching and it could have been really impressive just for that but then it does take that story to to a further level and i feel like that kind of like boys school almost has to be told in in a more traditional setting i just don't know if they exist that way anymore to that to that extent and obviously there's a whole slew of other reasons for just some like a handful of boys being left alone at a school with one teacher i don't know if you could get away with that anymore just for a variety of safety reasons or different <laughs> things like that um so it really does just feel like this movie that for it to exist the way they wanted to tell it had to happen in the era that it happened in and they yeah. just tell that in the best possible way absolutely uh a really warm blanket of a movie yeah. like a, a cozy cup of soup of a movie I, i'm stealing a little bit from carson's letterbox review but uh <laughs> it's 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 just so uh so pleasing so so uh, i don't know uh heartening to to mm -hmm. see it yeah. so yeah one of the best films out of tiff for sure uh, but those are our top 10 movies from the 2023 Toronto International Film Festival. Thank you all so much for joining us for this one. Uh, Karsten, we're, we're getting a TIFF video from you soon? Yeah, next next week, hopefully. Um, a, lot of, a lot of shit to talk about in that video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Amanda, do you think yeah. you're getting yours out soon, too? Um. I don't know. I'm going to let someone else. There's edit so much it. stuff. There's so much there stuff. Go. I'm going to let someone else edit it. And uh, yeah, I do feel like if we don't at least mention anatomy of a fall, people are going to be like, why did no one mention that? Right, I saw it right. at con. I feel like a lot of people are catching it at a different festival. New York fell under people's radars or they didn't like it enough for it to be in the top 10. But we have talked about anatomy of a fall before. Yes, we have mentioned anatomy of a fall. So that is another movie that is good that played at Toronto. Yeah. Uh, and Jeff, we're we're getting the return of the Cars cast from Tiff. We are. Or? Yeah. At some point, Karsten, we we'll we'll talk about when we're going to record it. It'll be yeah. in this week. Yeah. Sometime in the next cool. year. You guys sure. should have yes. been yeah. recording. <laughs> and then we should have yeah. Cut yeah. It and then out. cut out everyone else. Yeah. 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 It's weirdly jarring, just sort of moves forward in time. <laughs> or I, I just I just download the YouTube video of this and then just <laughs> claim it, put, put a giant cars cast label over it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Sorry. All right. And uh, you can, of course, catch the uh, fuller TIFF recap that Arturo and I did on this channel. 
but yeah, I think that just about wraps up our coverage from the Toronto International Film Festival. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. And until next time, we'll until see you next at- year. Yeah, until yeah. next year, we'll see you at <laughs> Hey Lucy's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.